This message is brought to you by House on the Rock Fellowship. We are a church that serves and cares for the Miami Valley region in Ohio. Before you continue, make sure to access the notes from our download section of our message page and have your Bible ready. Thank you for being our guest. 7.35 a.m. Friday morning, I received the text that no parent wants to get active shooter at school. Lucas continues in his text, my eldest. I heard the announcement. I ran out. I text Aiden, my other son. He ran for the junior high. We are both safe and far away. He texts again. We are safe. Reality changed in a moment. I was here that morning with Adam. Uh, We write our foundations lessons in classes when he gets off work. I'm coming into work. My not normal for me to get texts at that time. Phone call ringing. Active shooter. My son's school. Lucas then continues. Teacher misclicked a button. We're all good. Mom, love you so much. Thank you for letting us know. Well done, Dad says. I'm proud of you. There was a second false alarm, Lucas continues. Thank you, Dad responds. Lucas, Aiden wants to go home. (laughs) Dad continues, yeah, he tried that. He played the mental health card. As we sat down with... Lucas and Aiden and Jackson. Jackson was over at the junior high building. He was a, a pol- uh, an office aide at that moment eating morning popcorn. Um, we sat down with them to help them process. I wanted to know what the full story was. I wanted to know the details. I wanted to know how they were processing it as a person that was there. Um, in that moment, 7.35, Lucas is on his way to the cafeteria to grab a little bite to eat, walking with a friend. The alarm goes off, active shooter, active shooter, active shooter. Um, and as you can imagine, hundreds of students then bolt. Some of them had already been in their classrooms ready to go for first period. Majority of them were in the hallways and the commons. And so you had students running out to the junior high. You had students running down to Memorial Stadium. You had students running to the admin building where Lucas was. Chaos everywhere. Resource officer there, fast. Communication with the local police department, SWAT, fast. But the seed of the untruth had already been planted. Fact was, there was no active shooter. Wasn't true. But in the midst of that moment, dealing with young hearts, young minds, 
and a particular culture, it was enough that when my wife called to check on Aiden, who desperately was threatening to use my voice to get himself out of school, she could hear the chaos in the background. The emotional trigger that had been pulled. Not after one alarm, but after two. I was talking to my brother-in-law, just sharing the story with him, who's police up in Erie. And he says, yeah, there's no getting that one back. Meaning they ended up canceling school. Canceling school. So the institution that is designed to be a place for education couldn't do its job, not because they didn't try, but because of what that untruth had seeded in the emotions of so many. So much so, in respect to those who are boots on the ground, you got to make the call. All right, we'll try again on Monday. It's my understanding on Monday, tomorrow, they'll have counselors in place for those students who still need to work through whatever those emotions are and were. The institution couldn't do what it's charged to do because of an untruth. An untruth that triggered emotions and compromised actions. And the local church is no different. The local church is no different. If you gather a bunch of people together with the misunderstanding of what the church is and is not, it compromises the ministry of the church. Do you know what the church is? Do you know why we're here? Because she made me come. Do you know what this is for? Do you know, do you know what she is? Well, if you think it's like a motel for you to hop in and hop out on your way through, you'll treat it that way and you undermine what she is. If you think that she's a restaurant for you to pop in and pop out as long as the head chef cooks something you like, you're going to miss out and we'll lose. What is the church? A house divided on itself cannot stand. Abraham Lincoln quoting Jesus before the Civil War. There is a church in the New Testament that embodies this crisis that the Apostle Paul desperately tried to re-anchor in reality. A church with division at so many levels, much of it overflowing just because of their maturity and lack of maturity, so much of it because of the culture that that church was asked to swim in. They had factions. Well, we like this preacher better. No, we like this preacher better. If he's not preaching, we're not coming to church. We follow Paul. We follow Apollos. We follow Jesus Christ. Ooh. 
There was the celebration of heinous sins as one guy is hooking up with his mother-in-law and the church doesn't do anything about it to confront the immorality. That causes division. Good division, but it causes division. Economic tensions between the haves and the haves not. Specifically as they gather at the table, the, the great unifying piece that is the Lord's table. The Apostle Paul gets the point says, you know what's better off? You guys just don't celebrate this at all. Because when you get together, it just creates division. They're divided over ministry. My spiritual gift's more important than your spiritual gift. No, my spiritual gift's more important than your spiritual gift. They were divided over the resurrection. And that chaos, the seeds of that chaos, completely undermined what that church was to be. Because Corinth, Corinth was a trade center in the Roman Empire. You know, people talk about the influence of the I-75 corridor, north to south, right? How it connects certain parts of the country, how it also seems to be the intersection for a lot of problems, okay? Corinth was that type of center. As trade routes, east to west, north and south, meet there to get the land, get to the water, cross over, Here's a church that's positioned in that location, could have had a tremendous, tremendous ministry, growing the kingdom, sharing the hope and the love of Jesus Christ. All Satan had to do was sift in a little bit of chaos. And those untruths, what a church is, what a church isn't, undermined what that church ultimately would become and cease to become. We need to anchor ourselves this morning in what the church is. What we, the greater church, are called to be and to sift out, root out, weed out false beliefs and understandings in our own heart it's been my prayer that the Holy Spirit would help us, would increase our love for one another, the whole church. For I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, God's only Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Catholic church, church universal, and the communion of saints, the church local. To help us do that, what we're calling Global Church Sunday. Would you turn to the book of 1 Corinthians, please? 1 Corinthians, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're just going to highlight a few passages this morning. If you're watching online, thank you very much. I appreciate you tuning in to be with us. Whether you're sick or traveling, we say hello. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Starting in verse 12 and 13, after spending chapter after chapter after chapter confronting the divisions, whether they were over 
ethnic differences, economic differences, understandings of marriage, understandings of the Lord's table. He says, you know what you need to remember? You know what you need to know? He says this in verse 12, chapter 12, verse 12. Just as the body has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slave free, all made to drink of one spirit. That we are Christ's body. The apostle Paul is writing this. He's hundreds of miles away. He's not in Corinth. He's not preaching in Corinth. He's someplace else. But even in that location, with that local communion, he says, we are the body of Christ. That the gospel creates a new we, not a new me. Our habit as self-centered, consuming Americans is that Jesus came to take me to the happy place. That I am the center of the gospel. That I am the center of the story. Jesus came to create a new we. That I am baptized, I am immersed into by the Spirit of God into a community, a community that he says is a whole lot like the human body. That there might be one body, but there are many members, individual members. And together, those individual members, giving, loving, serving, helping, hurting, create the one body. One body that is Jesus Christ. He says we are baptized into it. We drink of it. We are in it and we are within it. He says you need to be aware of this doctrinal truth. This is what the church is. To cut the church, to hurt the church, to damage another brother is to bring damage to yourself. To hurt yourself. To segregate and separate yourself from the church is to cut yourself off from the very grace that you so need to thrive in life. So are you aware of this? And that awareness, he says, that body engaging and affecting change, Jesus Christ, incarnate, touchable, tangible now in all of us together is rooted in a divine idea. A divine arrangement. He says this in verse 18, 18, 19, and 20. As it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, one body. He goes on in verse 24, God has composed the body. Those two ideas, arranged and composed, help us to this divine arrangement that we believe and we must practice. That God wills diversity and dependence amongst his followers. He wills diversity Lots of different members. Here's a hand, there's a foot, there's a knee, there's an eyeball, there's an ear. A lot of different types of members. All diverse. Need them to be diverse. 
need them to be diverse, but also dependent. My ears need my eyes to do their job. My nose needs my mouth to do its job. My hands need my back to do its job. Dependent. Diverse. He says, arrange the members. That word for arranged is if you were a, a stonemason and you were laying a foundation, that word for lay is the word arrange. So as you can imagine, there's no semi pulling up at the job site back in Corinth unloading pallets of uniform block for a foundation, right? It's just not happening. It still requires a little planning and art and chipping and shaping to get those stones to lay the way they need to lay next to each other to eliminate weaknesses and elevate the overall strength of the building. Since God has arranged, divinely ordered blocks together, diversity dependent. I don't know about you. Maybe it's just me. Probably is. Some people rub me the wrong way. You know, like this would be a whole lot easier if God would chip away at them a little bit, make their edges a little smoother, make their edges fit my edges better. No, God does what? Paul, come here. Let's work on this. Let's work on this. Because I'm fitting you inside of a foundation that together in your diversity and your dependence carries the weight of what is the church. That takes energy. That takes effort to fit together. One's strengths is another one's weaknesses. He used the word compose in verse 20. He so composed the body. If you were a painter and you were mixing pigments, you would have used that word for composing different hues and colors of paint to bring out the different textures and lights and shades and shadows, contrasts. It says that's the word that it's, it's not just a craft, it's an art in how he has put the church together. Some of us are a little bit brighter than others. I don't mean that from an intelligence perspective. I'm just some of your personalities are a little brighter than mine. If you were to guess just by looking at the colors I wear, I have two colors one is dark and the other is gray. That's me. I don't need to be vibrant. I don't, some of you though, I can look at your shoes and I know the kind of personality that you have. And that's awesome. And I need that kind of life to engage in the church. And it draws some things out of me. And a little bit in the service, we're going to sing some songs that, you know, I'm not too familiar with. And it draws out of me. Why? Because there's a portrait of Jesus that we're painting. And we need that color and that color and that color and that color. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Now, you'd also use that word if you were composing a song. 
talking about the layering of notes to build a harmony. But if you're going to do that, if you talk to anybody who has experience singing harmony, it's not as much singing as it is listening. I need to listen to that voice. I need to listen to that voice. And together, we, we, the church, craft a hymn of grace. He says, I put you together that way. You need each other. There's an arrangement to what you're doing. When I get together uh, this coming weekend, I'm, I'm officiating a wedding. The weekend after that, I'm officiating a wedding. Love it. It's awesome. Leading up to those moments, I do premarital counseling. Okay? To not do that is like giving kids the keys to a Ferrari and not telling them how to drive it. It's just it's not going to go well not going to go well. And so we sit down, we talk about what is marriage? What isn't marriage? I sit down and I walk them through the vows. Sorry, this is what's going to happen. I want to write my own vows. I don't care. These are the vows. These are the words. This is what we say. I talk to them about their intentions because there's this moment, you know, she's going to come down and he's standing there and he's all excited. His knees are going nuts and she's all bubbly and everyone's doing the thing like, okay, here, here. Are you going, I'm looking at him, okay? Because he's, he's the embodiment of Christ. She's the embodiment of the church, okay? You, man, boy, are you going to do this and this and this? Is this your intention? If so, say, I will. Can't I say, I do? Not if you want me to say yes. It's an I will. It's a commitment. It's a covenant that lasts a lifetime. It's not an I do. You don't I do it. If you I do it, you end up undoing it. I will. I will do this. And look at her. And she's just all, blah, 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 blah. love it. It's awesome. It's great. Will you do this? And will you do this? And will you do this? Is this your intention? I will do this. All right. Then now we make our vows. It starts out with this. Will you receive this person as a gift of God's grace? To love, to cherish in sickness and in health, richer, poor, till death do you part. He, she, who is a brother, sister, and Jesus Christ. They make these commitments. That's a healthy marriage. Diversity, dependence, because in that moment, he and she together put forth a picture, a sacramental picture, a portrait of Jesus Christ as he dies to self for her, as she dies to self to respect him. And here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. The things that the Bible says to he are not the same things that the Bible says to she. Why? Because there's a diversity and a dependence there. I've had to say many a sad thing when people in a same-sex relationship come up to me for marriage counseling. I'm like, I can't. I'm like, will you hate gay people? No. 
No, not true at all. The book doesn't give me the game plan for that. If he's being a jerk, I can diffuse that because I can turn to the passage and says, hey, jerk face, you need to do this part. And if she's, you know, struggling, she's not. Here, it says this. This is how you approach and this is how you approach because there's a dependence and a diversity built within the context of the covenant relationship. The Apostle Paul goes on in this chapter. He says, and that's why there's a variety of spiritual gifts. Some person has the gift uh, for teaching and someone else has the gift for helping and someone else has the gift for, and he lists them all. And you're thankful for the diversity. Who here wants to teach the pre-K classroom? Pre-K teacher, pre-K teacher, pre-K teacher. Everyone else say thank you. Not only are they good at it, but they love it. Not only are they good at it, but they love doing it. And God has given them, the Spirit has given them that. We're thankful that, for that diversity. How many of you want to come up here with a microphone and a guitar and lead songs in a little bit with Jesse? Yep, the band. <laughs> Especially the Jewish ones and the ones from Papua New Guinea that they're going to try to teach us. Do you want to leave? <laughs> Aren't you thankful that they took all the time to prep to help us engage in singing in a corporate global way? Yeah. What about the people that were here hours before you got here this morning just to get things ready? Or that were meeting throughout the week to help the ministry advance? He has built into her diversity and dependence, diversity and dependence, which flies into the face of the poison that is the current culture, which proclaims independence and uniformity. I can do my own thing, and so can you, as long as it's what I like. I am independent of. And so are you. Just do it my way. You know what that creates? We call that today. We call that today. Jesus says, no, I made you to depend on other people. Human being at its core is lacking. It needs each other. We are a communal. For the strength of the wolf is the pack. And the strength of the pack is the wolf, the law of the jungle, from the Jungle Book, Rudyard Kipling. I want you to see uh, a message from our global partners. One of them is from Paul and Ellen Swenson. I went to college with Paul. They're in Papua New Guinea doing Bible translation work. Okay, so it's not just enough that they're translating. They're translating the Bible into a language they didn't know that does not have a written alphabet out in the middle of nowhere. And they're gonna give you a little bit of update and progress and how the church is growing the one church. And then there's a message uh, from Bree and Teo Makumba. They'll actually be with us in November to share some of their updates from Rwanda. He was a 1994 survivor of the genocide in Rwanda. His family butchered, ran for his life. His biography is up here on the table if you'd like it. 
life captivated by the gospel, has gone back there to tell the captives how wonderful Jesus is, to tell the captors how wonderful Jesus is. So Nikki's going to play these, and I'll come back up. Hello, House on the Rock, Rose Swensons, Paul and Ellen, and our kids, Sam, Hazen, Noah, and Emanuela. We live in Tongwa, Papua New Guinea, and we just wanted to give you a little update about the church planting work here. So something that... Uh has been happening. Ellen and I have been working on translating the book of Luke. And as we've been checking the book of Luke with people, we have translated related to um, God's grace. Uh, it's been, it's brought out really good conversations and reminded people of just how thankful th they are for, for God's grace, for his mercy for us as believers. So one of the topics that we've been touching on a lot in church lately, as we've been teaching through the later chapters of the book of Romans, is the idea of unity, our oneness in Christ, and how we should be relating to each other as believers. We have a, a local church conference that's coming up for churches that have been established in other language groups that are close by to us. And it's the opportunity that people have to gather together as groups of believers from different churches to be able to worship together uh, in the trade language and to be able to encourage each other. Uh, we'll be hearing God's word in the trade language. And so it's just a uh, a good opportunity for our believers here to experience the unity that we have in Christ. And so that's that's something that's exciting that's going to be happening and something that you you can also be praying for, not just for this conference, which will have happened by the time you, you see this video, but that the ongoing unity of believers, not just here in our church, but in the other churches here in the area, that that would continue. And we also started a children's literacy program this year. We had a lot of adults who've already gone to the program and didn't have a lot of more interest there. So we started a children's program for children who aren't quite old enough to walk the hour to school yet, but they're around 12 years old. So the, the children have completed the level one of learning all the syllables um, in the language. And now they're on to literacy level two. And that's, um, they're learning to just read more fluently and quick and quicker and they're doing really well you can be praying for them a few of them it, uh, for a few of them it's kind of difficult and they'll just keep improving with the hope of eventually feeling confident reading God's word which obviously are bigger words and sentences as we've been doing some different teaching we taught some specific lessons on baptism and it was great to see that back in June we had 16 uh believers baptized. One other opportunity that we've had here um, is to be teaching in the trade language in the local school. Um, we've been able to teach them uh, some of the key Bible stories in the trade language. We're using the curriculum King of Glory. Be praying for the kids as they hear, as they hear God's word, as they hear the truth, as they interact with it, that they would believe it by faith and that they would then uh, walk by faith and follow Christ. Many of you know, but two of our, our two oldest boys, Sam and Hazen, are in America. They're in university right now. They go to um, Cedarville University. Um, Sam is in his senior year in an industrial design um, program, and um, Hazen is in his sophomore year as an electrical engineering in the electrical engineering program. Our son Noah, who just turned 18, is in his senior year of high school, and he is in, in our um, mission school up in the Highlands. So he's boarding with a family we know and having a, a fun time with them. And uh, our daughter Ella, who's in eighth grade, 
is here with us and she's homeschooling with the hope to go to the boarding school in a few more years. Thanks so much for praying for our family regularly and our team here in Tangwa and the, the church, the work that's happening. Um, we really appreciate it. We are really looking forward to visiting with you in November. And since our family has arrived in America, it has been a blessing to see God move here and continue to sustain the ministry. We left in Rwanda, mm -hmm. and Rwanda continues to hunger every day for the gospel. We are overjoyed to see the work of discipleship multiplication continue even while we're here in America. And we are so grateful for your continual prayers. It means so much to us. And and we really know it makes a difference in Rwanda. And we would love it if you continue to pray with us. Um, please continue to pray that God would use us while we're here in America. Please continue to pray for our student sponsorship program. We only have eight students left that need permanent sponsors. Please continue to pray that our budget, we would be able to reach back up to 100% while we're here in America. And also that God would just continue to sustain the ministry in Rwanda while we're away, that it would continue to grow in effectiveness and just um, grow in power even while we're here. So thank you so much. God bless you and see you in November. He continues to say, God has composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked that there would be no division, verse 25, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Because if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. The, the seeding of that theological truth in my heart will flow into my mind. It will foster an affection, a deep affection for my brothers and sisters. I, I see those stories and my heart moves for them. I go to persecution.com, the, the digital uh, site for Voices of the Martyrs. And I, you can read those stories and updates. Here is a church that was attacked by the, the radical Hindus, forcing them to come back. Here's a church that was attacked by the radical Muslims. Here's a pastor who's been incarcerated. Here's a wife who's waiting for her husband to come back from the field. Just story after story after story. And I need to see those stories and hear those stories and be engaged with them because just God says it fosters care. Because when one of us suffer, we all suffer. When one is honored, when one flourishes, we can all rejoice. We can all rejoice. It is your offerings and generosity that helps them do what they're doing as well as what we're doing here because we're one church, a global church, a global church. And that divine affection, that deep affection should well up into direct action. How can we be actionable? What can we do? Do what they said. Let's pray for them. Pray for them, right? We're doing a whole series on prayer that you can engage, interceding for them. Father God, I lift up Paul and Ellen in the middle of Papua New Guinea. Help meet their needs. Break down the strongholds. Father, I hold up Bree and Teo and their family in the middle of Rwanda. Here's this country devastated by genocide. Thank you for gospel people who have gone back to the story. Protect them and keep them. 
and the spiritual warfare that they engage in, the strongholds that they come up against. Maybe set a day in your week. Do you know, it's Wednesday. I'm going to pray for the global church. I'm going to be reminded that it's a global church, that it goes beyond the Miami Valley. It's beyond I-75. I'm going to make that a prayer priority. I'm going to serve. The Apostle Paul said that. To engage in the church. Serve. I, I want to be a life-giving member of the church, not a liability. You want to be a life-giving member of the church, not a liability. I want the grace of God to be able to throw, flow through me to others. Because the healthier the body is, the healthier I am. And then give. The Apostle Paul gets to the end of the letter and says, hey, we're going to collect an offering. We're going to collect an offering. The church in Jerusalem is really struggling. There's persecution. There's famine. They need help. We are here because they sent us here. So let's send support back to them. He says, often, often as you can, once a week, as much as you decide to set aside, set aside. We do the same thing that the ministry and the work would go. Thank you for sharing your time with us, and we'd love for the journey to continue. If you're a guest, would you consider reaching out to us? We would love to come alongside and encourage you in any way that we can. If you're someone who's joined us today and you are desperately reaching to find hope wherever you can, again, Jesus came that we would find hope. You can find hope today. If you want to send us a short note, a member of our Hope team would reach out quickly, promptly, to come alongside and see what we can do to encourage you in whatever storm you might find yourself in. That's why Jesus came, and that's why we're here. Jesus said there's two ways to live your life, and a wise man, a wise woman, builds their life on Jesus' instructions. God bless.